We're going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, and we're going to read a few verses beginning at verse 1. Vamos a leer algunos pasajes del de segundo capítulo de Corintios, primera de Corintios capítulo 2, y vamos a leer uh, unos versos ahí. I'm going to kind of skip down the chapter for the sake of time, but I will uh, do my best to cover the entire uh, message of the chapter for us tonight. Did you find 1 Corinthians? All right, if you don't have it, we'll have it up here on the screen for you in just a moment, or you can look for it on your digital device. The Bible says, And when it came of, and it, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with the superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was with you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. How many of you want the power of God in your life? How many of you want the demonstration of the Spirit and of power in your life? Verse 10, if you'll go down there for me, uh, with me, it says... For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one, ex no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we who have received, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that you may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual man, uh, as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are now, uh, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking as mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, or what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, uh, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God has caused the growth. So then neither one, neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything. But God causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers who are God's field, or you are God's field and God's building. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We ask tonight that the, the sword of the Spirit would pierce through uh, into the issues of our life, that you would speak to us 
Now, Lord, as we anticipate your uh, greatness in this next year, in this new year, we ask that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to walk as men and women of God who are empowered by the Spirit of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. I want to say a couple things before I start uh, tonight about the year 2019. I believe uh, two things about this new year. And I always try to share with you what I think God is saying about a new year. So I'm going to share that with you tonight. Number one, I shared this a little bit on, uh, on Monday night. I believe that year 2019 will be a year in which we will see God's goodness. How many of you want to see God's goodness? The goodness of God is one of his uh, attributes. And uh, it is a year in which I believe we're going to see God be good in ways that we couldn't even have expected or imagined. And I know that we've already seen the goodness of God uh, because all of us have received things from God that we didn't deserve. And that is the very definition of goodness. The psalmist said that surely goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life. And so God has promised that throughout uh, the word. But I believe he is speaking that over this year for us as a body of Christ, for the body of Christ in the world, that this is a year in which, in which we are going to see the goodness of God. And so uh, I want you to just uh, set your heart and your mind to expect good things to come from God into your life. Say amen, somebody. Uh, yo, yo quiero compartir con ustedes esta noche algunas cosas sobre este año 2019. La primera cosa es que este será un año en cual Dios ha declarado que será un año de su bondad sobre sus hijos. Entonces quiero que usted se anime para vivir en este año esperando y buscando la bondad de Dios. Just wake up every morning expecting that this day is going to be a good day and I'm going to see the goodness of God in my life. You know, God's goodness is not always in uh, big things. Sometimes God good, God's goodness is in little things. When I pray the blessing over you at the end of every service, I say, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. What does that mean? That means may God smile on you. It's like you go to a, uh, you go to a, a, a courtroom proceeding and the judge is sitting there at the bench with their face down. You don't know whether they are happy or sad or mad or out to get you. And then when they finally call your name, you come up and uh, they raise their face. They're smiling. That's what the, that's what the Bible says, that we are asking God to smile upon you so that when you approach the throne of God and uh, you come to him with your requests, with your needs, with your concerns throughout this year, just know God is already smiling on me. God is already smiling on my life. Say amen, somebody. And uh, he's going to shoot. Uh, Pour forth his goodness over my life. La sonrisa de Dios está sobre sus hijos. Así que cuando usted se acerque al trono de Dios uh, en la oración, tiene usted que saber que ya Dios está sonriendo uh, hacia usted. Ya tiene una disposición agradable. Basically, it means that God already has a good disposition towards answering your prayer. Now, with that kind of promise, why would anyone not pray? Con esa clase de promesa, ¿por qué no orar? Come on, somebody. If we already know that God is predisposed toward answering our prayers 
and towards smiling on us, then the Bible says we come boldly to the throne of grace. Si ya sabemos que Dios está uh, dispuesto a bendecirnos, que está sonriendo sobre nosotros, entonces dice la escritura entrar con confianza delante del de trono de la gracia. So every single day should be a day of prayer and a day of seeking the, the, the answer to, of God over our life. Because God has decided to bless us. God has decided to bless you. Say that with me tonight. God has decided to bless me. Now you said it like you didn't really believe it. Like God decided to bless my neighbor, but I don't know if God really decided to bless me. Say it like you believe it tonight. God has decided to bless me. Now if you believe that, shout amen. Right now the next thing I want to say about 2019 that I don't really want to say about 2019, but I believe it's something that uh, is in store this year, is that there are going to be some things that are going to come into this nation that are going to be financial, spiritual, and perhaps even natural earthquakes, all right? And that means that some things are going to change in America, and things are going to shake this nation up. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they look like, but uh, there has been uh, over this over this uh, season of prayer in my life, God continues to tell me, you need to pray for this country because I'm going to shake things up. And so I want you to be praying for America. And I want you to be praying for uh, our, our state of Texas and be praying for Beeville. Because, you know, if judgment is coming to the nation, you and I can ask God for mercy. Say amen, somebody. You and I can ask God to say, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. And, uh, and I believe that even if times of shaking come to this nation, that God has promised the church that he's going to preserve us through those moments. So you don't have to worry about those things. Just pray that God will keep his hand over us and that he will bring an end to the chaos that's going on in our political system and that he will allow men of integrity and men of wisdom to surround our president and our Congress and our leadership and that they would hear from God and answer God before God has to get the attention of this nation in other ways. And so I want you just to be aware of those two things. They're kind of like paradox. They're absolute opposites. I know that. The goodness of God and also the, the judgment of God. But you see, God judges those that he cares for. He chastens those that he loves. And God loves America. America is a tool in God's hands for bringing the gospel to the world. Say amen, somebody. And because God loves America, he's not going to just let us go off of this path that we've been on. You know, as a country, we have been on a path every single year, further and further and further from God. Every single time you turn on the news, you hear how our nation is just getting further and further away from God. Further and further away from the values of the Bible. Further and further away from moral uh, morality and truth. And every step we take away from God, God is crying out to us. And he is telling us to repent. He's telling us to return unto himself. And so we need to be praying that America's ears will be opened. And that they will hear the call of God to repentance. And that the church 
will be uh, the, the voice of God to this generation. Listen, America cannot afford dead churches with dead preachers and dead pulpits. America needs a church on fire. America needs pastors full of the Holy Spirit with the word of God in their mouth. Come on, somebody. America needs Christians who are Christians in their word and in their deeds, not just in their name. And you and I have so much to do with where this nation goes. Because God has given us authority and he's given us uh, the, the ability to influence by the light of the gospel that is inside of us. So I want you to be praying about those two things and be uh, confident in the fact that God is going to bless you in ways that you didn't expect. All right, now, last time we shared, I told you that you're going to have to do something about that, right? You can't just sit on your front porch and wait for, for goodness to come. All right, say amen, somebody. If you don't plant any seed, don't expect any harvest. You're going to have to do something. If you want to see the goodness of God in your life, you've got to be good for somebody else. You be goodness. You be a light to someone else's darkness. You be hope for somebody else's despair. And uh, when, you, when you walk in, in those things that uh, uh, please God, the, those things that honor God, he's going to pour out his blessing on your life. All right, now I'm reading from Second, the uh, First Timothy, pardon, First Corinthians, chapter two tonight. And I want you to, if you have a Bible and you uh, have a pen, I want you to underline three phrases real quick while we go forward with this. We're going to start underlining something at verse 14, and uh, in verse 14 of chapter two, you'll see. This little phrase, natural man. So if you have a pen, just underline that phrase, natural man. Lo primero que vamos a hacer en el verso 14 está la palabra el hombre natural. So quiero que subraye esa frase ahí, el hombre natural. Uh, say natural man. All right, I'm going to teach tonight about three types of men. All right, and I'm not talking about three types of males, all right, uh, because females are included in this. And so really what I'm talking about is three types of people. And the first type is the natural man. Then if you look down to uh, verse 1 of uh, chapter 3, you're going to see spiritual man. You see that? So underline that. Vamos a ver el hombre espiritual. Ahí en el verso 1 del capítulo 3. Subraye hombre espiritual. Say spiritual man. All right, now... There's one more I want you to see. That's the next phrase right there in the same verse. And it says, the man of flesh. So underline, men of flesh. Now, if you have a different translation than I do, uh, it might say it a little different, but the gist is the same. Uh, if you're in the King James, I'm not sure how King James says it, but New American Standard says men of flesh. That's the carnal man. Say carnal man. Now, I've identified three uh, types of men. Aquí tenemos el tercer hombre, ahí es el hombre de la carne. Y ahí están los tres hombres que, que existen. There are three types of men that exist in the world. All right, the first one is the natural man. The second one is the spiritual man. And the third one is the carnal man. Let's say those together. The natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. Now, I'm going to start teaching tonight about being spiritual because God 
has designed you to live a spiritual life. The Bible says that God is a spirit. And that those who worship him must worship him in spirit. You've read that, right? That's in, first, that's in John chapter 4. Now, if God is a spirit and those who worship him, that means those who serve him, get near him, can talk to him, relate to him, they have to do so spiritually. So you and I need to be spiritual. Dice la Escritura que Dios es Espíritu y los que se allegan a Él se allegan a través del de Espíritu. Eso está en Juan capítulo 4. Entonces vamos a hablar esta noche de ser hombres espirituales. We're going to talk about being spiritual men. If you're a lady, then you're a spiritual lady. All right, spiritual woman. All right, God is a spirit. And you and I, we want to know Him. We have to know Him spiritually. So what do we mean by this word spiritual? Now, I, I, I'm, I'm aware that right now in America there's a big movement about being spiritual. People say, I, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. You heard that? Well, they don't know what, they don't have a clue about what they're talking about. They just mean they don't go to church. But they have some concept of some deity out there that they think they are relating to. And uh, some of them are fo following any anything out there that... Um, it, it even looks like it might be attractive. Some of them are following Eastern mysticism or uh, the, the universe. That's a big thing right now. People are being led by the universe. You know, you heard people, especially Hollywood. Hollywood is being led by the universe right now. A few years ago, Hollywood was led by the stars. But now they're being led by the universe. And they say the universe is sending out vibes. And the, the universe uh, is trying to tell you something. L let me tell you something. The universe is not does not have a conscience. This, the universe cannot send out vibes. The universe does not have a direction. The universe was created. Say amen, somebody. I said the universe was created. And uh, the universe was created by God. The universe can't talk to you. The universe doesn't have a message for you except this, God. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament uh, declares his vast expanse. It declares his glory. So the message of the universe is God. And so uh, people are talking about, I mean, led by the universe, don't have any clue what they're talking about. They say, I'm spiritual. They don't really have a clue what they're talking about because the, the, the term spiritual is referring to a person who is connecting with the creator in their inner man, in their spiritual life. Now, the Bible identifies three types of people. What are they? The natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. Now, I'm going to go through these together with you because I want you to identify which one you are. All right? All of us are one of these or the other. All right? And so once you have identified which one you are, then I want to give you a, a little remedy as to what to do with the kind of man that you are. Say amen, somebody. Because if you want to have a successful year and you want to walk with God, you need to be a spiritual man. Si usted quiere tener un año de éxito, caminar con Dios, usted tiene que ser un hombre espiritual. Now, listen first of all to uh, what I've told you before. I'm going to say it again. And I, I want you to listen to the differences in these phrases because they're very important. Number one, I am a spirit. Say that with me. I am a spirit. You are a spirit. All right? 
Now, the second phrase is, I have a soul. Say, I have a soul. Now, you, have, you are a spirit. You have a soul. All right? And then the third phrase is, I am in a body. I am in a body. Say it with me. I am in a body. All right. Now, I'm going to go real quick now. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I'm in a body. All right? If you say, I, I am a man. I have a jacket, I'm in a house. That's the difference, all right? The house you live in is not you. Nobody said amen to that. I said the house you live in is not you. The house you live in says a lot about you, but it isn't you, all right? The car you drive, you have a car, but it's not you. You have a job, some of you have a job. Everybody at home has a job. You have a job, but that job's not you. You are a spirit. That means that someday this body is going to be no more. Someday, if Jesus, doesn't if Jesus doesn't come before you and I die, this body will become dust. It'll decay. All right? And that doesn't mean you're done. Your spirit is going to be in the presence of God or separated from God somewhere for the rest of eternity. All right, that's how important this understanding is. Because you see, what gets most attention in our life? Is it the body, the soul, or the spirit? What gets the most attention? For most people, the body gets most of the attention. All right, we feed the body. We comb the body's hair. All right, we wash the body's face. We dress the body. If it's cold outside, if it drops one degree uh, um, Below 60, you know, we pull out our biggest winter coat. We, we take care of this body, don't we? We obsess over this body. Some of us more than others, right? Some of you can spend a whole lot of time in front of the mirror because of this body. The body gets a lot of attention. But it's the part of us that's going to live the, the least. The part of you that's going to live forever generally gets the least amount of time. And that's the spirit. It's your spirit that's going to live forever. And so it's your spirit that needs the most attention. And so the Bible says there's a mirror that the spirit can sit in front of. And it's the word of God. When you sit in front of the word of God, the word of God is a mirror to your spirit to help you develop the inner man so that you become more like Christ, so that you become more like God. Now in between there, there's the soul. Now the soul is what connects your spirit and your body. The Bible said that God uh, created man from the dust, that's his body, and then he breathed into him the spirit, so the spirit is God's breath in you. It is God's life on the inside of you, and when the two things came together, the dust and the spirit of God, the Bible said man breathed and became a living soul. Now you have a soul. And that soul is the part of you that has emotions, instincts, and appetites. How many of you have emotions? How many of you have instincts? Appetites? Yeah, especially when you're fasting, right? Now, this is why we fast, isn't it? Because we want to tell our body, you're not it. And we want to tell our soul, your instincts, appetites, and emotions are not everything. We fast because we want to give the spirit the ability to focus on God. 
to give God the attention in our life. Now, some people, they live only for the body. They don't have any idea what's going on in their soul. But the fact is that everybody who is not living a spiritual life is being driven by their soul. And you'll see people who, are, who make decisions emotionally. Ever made an emotional decision? I bet, I bet if you made an emotional decision, you regretted it. Have you ever regretted an emotional decision? This is why we say your emotions are a good passenger but a terrible driver. All right? God gave you emotions, but he didn't give your emotions so they could govern your life. Your emotions are there to help you de determine when, what's hot, what's cold, but they're not there to determine the di direction of your life. The instinct is there so that when you get into danger, you know when to run. All right? And the appetite is there so that you can have some food and not die. It's also uh, not just physical appetite, but it also involves a sexual appetite so that the human race reproduces all those different types of appetites that play into that. But, you know, if you're only, being live, you're only driven by your soul, your life is not going to be a very happy one. Because your emotions change. And the life lived by instinct and appetite is beneath the life that God wants for you to live. So now that we understand that, there is this spirit then that needs to be, that needs to be in connection with God. That needs to be in, in a relationship with God. And that's what the Bible calls the spiritual man. Say the spiritual man. So let's look at these three men. The first one is, who's the first one? The natural man. Who is the natural man? El primer hombre es el hombre natural. Let me just define this for you real quick. The natural man is the un, is the uh, the the non-born again man. A natural man is an unborn again man. What does that mean? You have not given your life to Christ. You don't have a relationship with God where Jesus is your Savior. You are a natural man. El hombre natural es el hombre que no ha nacido de nuevo. Jesus, in John chapter 3, he said this, You must be born again. Jesús en Juan 3 dijo, Tienes que nacer de nuevo. He didn't say you should be born again. What did he say? You must be born again. Because unless you're born again, you're a natural man. And the Bible says this in the verse that we read right there in verse 14. A natural man does not accept the Spirit of God or the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and they cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Listen, the natural man can hear a sermon and it doesn't, doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. You can teach the natural man to tithe. Doesn't make sense. You teach the natural man to pray, doesn't make sense. Because the natural man cannot understand spiritual things. And this is why a lot of times uh, women who are married to a natural man get frustrated when they take him to church and he doesn't seem to be changing. Or a man married to a woman who's a natural woman, they take, he takes her to church, she doesn't seem to be changing. Or parents who have children who are natural children. And they say, I raised you in church. I took you to Sunday school. I taught you uh, the, the Ten Commandments. And look at how you're living. Why are they living that way? Because they're natural. 
and they don't have any connection to God at all. And the natural man cannot understand the things of God. And so what the natural man needs is to be born again. He needs to have an encounter with God where his, his, his spirit is brought into life. Because the man in sin, the natural man is a sinner by nature. And in his sin, he can only understand what his mind can understand. He can only understand what his eyes can see. And that's why Jesus said, blessed are those who, who believed even though they hadn't seen. Because the natural man wants to see. The natural man says, all right, if that's true, prove it. Show it to me. But the natural man is living outside of God. And listen, friend, the man who, who if you die a natural man, the end of your, your soul and spirit will be hell forever. That's what the Bible teaches. And so you must be born again. It's not because this preacher said so. It's not because uh, this church says so. It's because Jesus has told us the only way to have a connection with God, to know your maker, is to be born again. And if you're born again, you know it. Say amen if you know you're born again. You see, salvation is what really what we're talking about here. Is available to every person. The Bible tells us about a God who loved you so much that he didn't want you to live and die a natural man. He wants you to become a born-again man, a born-again woman, and to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to the cross to die for your sins so that your spirit could be born again and so that now you can have a spiritual relationship with God. And let me, let me tell you this. When you've been born again, you will have the natural man still, but you also have a spiritual man. And when you've been born again, your natural man will be affected by your spiritual man. When you've been born again, your whole life changes. When you've been born again, the way you think changes. The things you love changes. You used to love uh, uh, being, uh, doing wrong and being, being part of strife and conflict. Now you love peacemaking. You love to be in the house of God. You love prayer. You love to be in the fellowship of the believer. What happened? Your life was changed transformed because Jesus brought life to a dead man. You see, Christianity is not about making bad men good. It's about making dead men live. That's what Christianity is about. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. Jesus came to give life to the dead. And our spirit is dead toward God until it is born again by the Spirit of God. So if you're born again, shout amen. amen. Listen, if you're a natural man... You say, all right, Pastor, that's kind of creepy, but that describes me. You need to be born again. How do I do that? The Bible said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Christ. You say to him, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus because I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I want to be born again. I invite you into my heart, into my life. And Jesus will come and he will change your heart. And he will change your life. And those of us who have experienced that, we know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. When Jesus comes into your life, he brings peace to the storms of your life. He brings love. He lets you know and experience the love of God. The love of God and the joy of God and the peace of God comes to reside fully in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that's the natural man. So Paul says, look, when I came to you, I didn't come to you 
with big words and fancy speeches. That's what he's saying in the first four or five verses of the chapter. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with eloquence of speech. Why? Because eloquence of speech can only touch the natural man. We've all heard great speeches, haven't we? We've all heard uh, wonderful Shakespearean poetry. And we've all heard, oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? But you see, those words are natural words for the natural man. And they can't change your life. They can't give you peace with God. They can't give you a relationship with God. And so Paul says, I didn't come with eloquence of speech. Because my eloquence of speech is useless. My eloquence of speech is pointless. I'm not trying to speak to the natural man. I want to speak to the spiritual man. I heard a story just a few days ago. I was um, here at the church, and a guy pulled up, and he said, Pastor, can I tell you a story? I said, I'd love to hear it. He said, look, five years ago, I was sitting in church. He said, I was in church because my parents wanted me to go, and I didn't want to go, but I decided I was going to make them happy that Sunday and go to church. You guys ever done that? Or you know someone who has, right? And uh, so here he was sitting. He said, now you were preaching. And he said, no offense, but you were preaching. He said, but uh, I wasn't really getting into what you were preaching. He said, uh, it, it wasn't really saying anything to me. He said, but when you made the altar call, something on the inside of me got up and went and I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> because the whole time his natural mind was just, his natural man was just la, 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 la. Wah, wah, wah. But his spirit was hearing the word of God. That's why you need to drag your body to church. Because your spirit needs to hear the word of God. Say amen, somebody. You've got you've to bring your children to church anyway. Why? Because they need to hear the word of God. The spirit in man is what responds to the word of God. And so the natural man, when he hears the word of God and he, he is convicted by the truth of the gospel and he, he gives his life to Christ, Jesus comes in and now he is invaded by the Holy Spirit of God and now he becomes a spiritual man. What is a spiritual man? Well, a spiritual man is born again. Say spiritual man. El hombre espiritual es nacido de nuevo. Have you been born again? then you're a spiritual man. The spiritual man knows, listen, the spiritual man understands the deep things of God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose some of you right there because I don't get deep things, Pastor. Now remember what I said. The natural man doesn't get them, but the spiritual man does. You see, what, the, what, the, what Paul says here is that the natural man doesn't get spiritual things because he doesn't have the ability to discern them. For the natural man, he doesn't even have the switch on. But the spiritual man, when he hears the word of God, the spirit understands the deep things of God. And listen, he, he is able to discern. That's the key right there. The, the word here in the in New American Standard is that he is uh, able to appraise them. And in the King James, it says that, uh, that he... Uh, knows all things. Now, what we're saying here is not that the spiritual man knows everything. But what we are saying is that the spiritual man can discern what God is saying. Listen, this has happened to all of us. 
It happens to me. I know it happens to you. You're hearing the word of God. The preacher's preaching. It might not even be on a subject that relates to you at the moment. But the spirit within you knows, oh, that was for me. Have you ever had that happen? You said, that was for me. Sometimes we have a guest speaker. I go to a conference. I hear the speaker preach. And uh, all they have to do sometimes is just say, we're going to go read this text. And they start reading. I say, yes, Lord. I already know. Because God, God has given discernment to your spirit about what he wants to say. That's why I don't worry about going in my study throughout the week and saying, okay, what does sister so-and-so need to hear this week? And what does hermano so-and-so need to hear this week? And oh, really, I want to drive home that point for that guy back there. And I want to throw a few stones back at the back because of those guys back there. I don't do that because that's the natural man trying to do natural things. What do I do? I just come in the study. I say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to say? And whatever he tells me to say, I say, even when it doesn't make sense, and I think, my people don't need this right now. It doesn't matter what I think. I say what he tells me to say. Why? Because, because you bear witness with me that when I have spoken the word of God, you come back to me and you say, Pastor, that was God's word for me. God was talking right there to me. Why? Because the spiritual man discerns what God is saying. And listen, the spiritual man doesn't need a long sermon. The spiritual man can hear one word and get a whole suitcase full of revelation. And so when, when, when you're walking in the spirit, you don't need God to just pound away at you. It's the, the sensitivity. There's an openness of heart to hearing the word of God. That's why we pray and fast. Because we want to we make sure our spirit man is ready and able to receive the word of God. The spirit man, the spiritual man, looks for unity, desires unity, desires to walk in the unity and the harmony of the body of Christ. The spiritual man doesn't want strife at the house. It doesn't want strife at the job. doesn't want strife at the church. Because the, spirit, the spiritual man knows that this harmony and this unity brings a disconnect from the revelation that God wants to bring into your life. From the blessing that God wants to bring into your life. And so the spiritual man desires God. Desires the deep, deep things of God. And the spiritual man can discern what God is saying. But then there's another man. Who's the last man? The carnal man. Say that, carnal man. Now I need you to know about him. Because he's what happens to the spiritual man when the natural man takes over. And that's what we call walking in the flesh. You ever heard of that phrase? Walking in the flesh? Ever said that? I got in the flesh, Pastor. I'm sorry, I got in the flesh. Have you ever gotten in the flesh? What are we saying when we mean got in the flesh? We're saying, I stopped letting the Holy Spirit lead me, and I took over. How did that go for you? This is what the flesh will do. The flesh will make a small problem big. And a big problem bigger. You ever done that? I guarantee that wasn't your spirit moving. The spiritual man can take a big problem and pour water on it and just burn it out. But the natural man takes something small and blows it up.
El hombre natural, el hombre carnal, es el hombre espiritual que ha dejado su carne gobernar su vida. Y el hombre carnal puede tomar un problema pequeño y hacerlo más grande. Pero el hombre espiritual toma un problema grande y lo hace pequeño. Now listen to how the carnal man works. The carnal man operates out of self-interest. When a believer, a born-again Christian, is no longer walking by the Spirit, they're now walking by self-interest. What's in it for me? I go to church. What's in it for me? I tithe. What's in it for me? I give. What's in it for me? If I'm going to volunteer, what's in it for me? And so our relationships are, are based on self-interest. And our decisions are self-interest. And our service is self-interest when we are walking in the carnal man. The carnal man knows what God is trying to do. He knows how to connect with God. He has uh, been born again, but he's allowing his flesh to govern his life. And so now what he wants is what can I get out of you? Listen, we've all, we've all been in a place where carnal people have taken advantage of what we have. And you feel used or you feel like you have been abused, but you know that the carnal man will do that. You could be doing that to the people in your family right now. Just take, 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 drain, 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 drain. And, and after a while, your relationships burn out because it's, it's about yourself, about self-interest. The carnal man is asking, what can I get out of this? The spiritual man knows that even if I don't get anything out of it, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And God is able to make up for the things that I lose in my life. Listen, the natural man or the carnal man sows in one place and he wants to get it out of the same place. The spiritual man knows that if I give here, I'm not going to get from here. God's going to bring it back somewhere else. The harvest is going to come from another source, from another place. The natural man is not only self-interested, but he relies on his natural abilities. El hombre, uh, pardon, the carnal man relies on his natural abilities. El hombre carnal depende de sus habilidades naturales. Listen, if you have been called by God to preach or teach the word or lead worship, you I've been called by God to be an elder or a deacon or an usher, whatever ministry God has. Even uh, if you are called by God to serve in the nursery or to uh, be part of the grounds crew at the church, you have to be a spiritual man to do those, those tasks. Why? Because if you rely on what you can do, if I just say, you know what, I'm just going to get in the pulpit and talk because I know how to talk, that's going to be the end of my ministry. Because the natural man relies on natural ability, but natural ability is dead. It can impress the flesh, but it can't touch the spirit. The natural man relies on, on what I know, on his experiences. I've already been through this. Have you ever been through a storm and you said, I've already been through this, and then that storm that you've already been through whooped you? 
you thought, what happened? I already dealt with this before. Sometimes you have to deal with one of your children, and you think, oh, I already dealt with this. And you didn't realize this is a whole different demon you're fighting. It's a whole different type of problem. That's why you need the spirit, to, so that you can discern that this problem looks like the last one, but it's not going to be handled in the same way. It's not going to be dealt with in the same way. And that's why you and I, when we, we confront problems in our natural ability, we rely on our experience. Look, experience is very important. Experience can guide you. It can be useful to your life. And it is foolish not to learn from your experience. But sometimes when you're in a storm, you don't have time for experience. You've got to get an answer. When you have to make a decision, sometimes you don't have time for experience. You need to decide, Lord, you've got to give me an answer because I've never been this way before. And that is what the Bible says that God told the nation of Israel. Where I'm taking you, you've never been before. Listen, 2019, we've never been here before. We don't know what this year is going to require of us. Just like last year, things happened in your life you didn't know were going to come. How many of you learned something about yourself last year? How many of you learned something about yourself you'd rather not have learned? I didn't know I, I, didn't know I had that in me. I didn't know I had the capacity to be ugly like that. That's why you need the spiritual man. So that the spirit of God can be leading your life. And you don't depend upon how God did it last time. Because you know what? Not even God does the same thing over and over again. First, he met with Adam and Eve around a tree in Eden. And then he met with them in a tabernacle, in a tent in the wilderness in Israel. And then he met with Solomon in a temple. And then he met with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And now he's meeting with us in the temple that is our body. And the next time he comes, we're going to meet with him in the air. So Jesus is not repeating the same film over and over. And neither is your life. You've got to be led and by the Spirit and discerning what is God saying about this matter right now because I don't want to get into trouble being led by my experience and what I've done and how I've done it and miss what God is trying to do or what God is trying to say in my life. Finally, the natural man looks for conflict because he has conflict within. Listen to what Paul says. He says that the natural man is jealous uh, uh, he is, he strives because he's a mere man. Dice Pablo que el hombre natural es celoso y busca el conflicto. Listen, when you find somebody that's always looking for conflict, don't point at anybody tonight. Uh, it's, it's not an altar call. Okay. But when you meet someone that is always looking for conflict, there's conflict within. They have a storm brewing on the inside of them. And what comes out is conflict. Because they're walking as a natural, carnal man. And they're jealous, and they strive, and they say, well, I'm from Paul. And the other one says, no, I'm from Peter. No, I listen to Apollos. That's what was going on in the Corinthian church. They were fighting over which preacher baptized them. They were fighting over which denomination they belonged to. Fighting over which Bible they read. And all of this because 
They were not walking by the Spirit. Do you realize that when we are walking by the Spirit, these little things that divide us don't matter? When you are, when you are in the natural and in the carnal, you notice things that annoy you, that bother you. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody might be a different color and, or, or might have a different language, and these things annoy the flesh. They annoy the sinful man. But you see, when we're walking by the Spirit, those things don't matter. That's why when you come into the house of God, you see people of different colors. You see people of different language. Why? Because we're not walking by the natural. We're walking by the spiritual. We're walking by the discernment of, of what God has done and the fact that God has created us and that God has united us into his body. And these, these differences uh, maybe they're not racial. Maybe there are differences going on in your marriage or differences going on in your home or going on in your, in your job. And you see all this conflict going on. And you realize that the more you try to fix the problem, the worse it gets. Maybe because the solutions you're bringing to the table are natural solutions. They're not God's solutions. They're not spiritual solutions. But if you will let the Spirit lead, if you let the Spirit guide, listen, the day will come when the things that used to bother you won't bother you anymore. The things that used to annoy you won't annoy you anymore. Because the Spirit brings you to a higher place with higher values. Because now you, you realize those little things, they weren't worth my time. They weren't worth my emotions. They weren't worth me getting into, uh, into an argument. They weren't worth me having all this frustration. That's why Paul tells the, the Romans, he says, if you walk after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you walk after the spirit, you're going to have life and peace. No more conflict. The conflict is over when I walk by the spirit of God. When I walk being led by this Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of the believer. So tonight, if you're a natural man, you need to be born again. If you are a spiritual man, you need to focus on getting more of God, more God time in your life. And if you're a carnal man, what do you have to do? You have to repent. And say, God, I want to grow up. Because that's ultimately the problem with the natural man is that all he wants is milk. Chocolate milk. Easy. Smooth. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to do anything hard. I don't want to have to pay any price. I don't want to have to do any of those things. And the natural man is destroying marriages and destroying homes and destroying workplaces the spiritual man can find God's peace brought into all of those places in his life say amen somebody I want to just close with this because in, in Luke chapter 9 three people were called by Jesus to follow them to follow him and all three of these people missed an opportunity the first one, he came to Jesus. He said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, will you? He said, because 
Foxes have a, a place, a cave, and birds have their nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, if you're coming to follow me because of natural things, you're going to be disappointed. Because I might, I might give you a blessing, but it might not be on your schedule. And the natural man says, well, I already waited five years. And if God hasn't done it by now, I'll just do it myself. So Jesus said, look, if you're going to follow me, count the cost. The second man, Jesus called him to follow him. And he said, all right, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, let me go bury the dead in my family. And Jesus said, just, you know, it seemed like Jesus didn't care at all. He said, let the dead bury the dead. What did Jesus mean? This is what Jesus meant. He said, if you're going to follow me, you can't carry around dead bodies. You got to let dead things be dead. Because, you know, some people want to bring their old life into their new life with Christ. They want to bring their dead habits and their dead thoughts and their dead emotions. And they want to bring them into their relationship with Christ. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Some of you are still carrying around 2016, 2017, 2018. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Let it go. Well, you don't know what they said to me. And you don't know how I felt. And you don't know what they did. And they said something to me when I was in third grade and I never got over it. Let the dead bury the dead. You go on with Jesus. I said, you go on with Jesus. You can't worry about what you lost or what you didn't get or what you don't have. Those things are behind you now. The last one came to Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. He said, all right, I'll follow you, but. Don't let, don't let that little conjunction get in your way of getting God's best over your life. I'll follow you, but. Let me go say goodbye. Let me go and go back to what I used to know. If you're going to follow Christ, you can't go back. What did Jesus say to him? He said, anyone who puts his hands on the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. That's when I think, oh, Jesus, you're so hard sometimes. That doesn't make any sense to you right now because you don't have a plow. But this is what Jesus was saying. He says, if you're going to follow me and look back all the time, don't even fill out the application. If you're going to follow me, leave the past behind you. Because there's no future in your past. Did you hear me? I said, there's no future in your past. Your future is in front of you. The Bible said, put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Glue your eyes to him. Follow him. Leave yesterday behind you. Leave yesterday's sorrows and joys behind you. Because I'll tell you what, yesterday's sorrows aren't worth crying about today. And yesterday's joys are nothing compared to what God has in store for you. Come on, somebody. Greater things of you will still be spoken. Come on. Greater things of you God still has in mind. Apostle Paul said this, which I say to you tonight. I am convinced 
of better things concerning your future. Did you hear me? I said, I am convinced of better things concerning your future. You see, the enemy will come and say, well, pastor, do you know what they did yesterday? I don't care. I'm convinced of better things concerning their future. I said, I am convinced of better things concerning your future. I want you to stand up tonight, and I want you to lift your hands and just say, Lord, I am convinced of better things concerning my future. Just tell him, Lord, I want to be a spiritual man. I want to be a spiritual woman. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to be led by your word, by your truth. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit and power. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will release into the lives and hearts of your people a supernatural hunger for spiritual things. I pray that you would release into the lives of your people faith to walk by the Spirit and make no provisions for the flesh. No longer making provisions for the carnal mind or the carnal man. We say we want to walk by the Spirit of God. Lord, I, I believe tonight that there are some who are spiritual, who are about to enter into a new level, a deeper place with God. I pray there would be no hindrance, nothing to obstruct their growth or their progress. I pray that 2019 will be a year of spiritual impact in which they will see you do things through them that will astound them and marvel them. Almighty God, we say we are convinced of better things for our future. We put aside carnal and natural concerns. And we say, Lord, speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. Your children are listening. My spirit, oh God, wants to know the voice and hear the voice of the Spirit of God tonight. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on me. Anointing. Fall on me. Revival. Fall on me. Come on, just speak to the Lord out of your spirit. Out of your spirit, just speak to God. Tell him you're hungry and thirsty. Hallelujah. Tell him that you want more of him.